<laughs> That's a warning. We're, we're alive. Amen. <laughs> All right. Tonight is uh, one of those teachings that can either free you as a believer from much of the temporal and spiritual drama that you experience or keep you imprisoned because you refuse to apply the teaching. Now, if you're going to remember what I'm talking about tonight, you're going to need to write this down for yourself. Okay? If God's life is not filled with drama, why is yours? It's, it sums up everything we're going to talk about here tonight. If God's life is not filled with drama, why is yours? We'll pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for our time tonight. Thank you for Brother Todd's message last Wednesday. May we build upon it and really hit home with this truth tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, if you remember last week, Brother Todd introduced you to the three rests that are promised in Scripture to the people of God. Let me, let me name those rests again. The temporal rest from temporal drama. How many here have temporal drama in their life? Okay. okay. You want rest from it? There, there's a formula here. Okay. Uh, number two, the spiritual rest we are promised from the spiritual drama we face from the devil and his imps, such as worldly and fleshly temptations, etc., and number three, the eternal rest we are promised from all our temporal and spiritual drama we experience here on earth. All three rests are mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Question is, why aren't we at rest? I, I, I've been in this thing a long time. I mean, I've been saved 50-some years, and I've been in the ministry probably 40 of those 50-some years or more. And it... it it just seems like the majority of God's people are always living in either temporal drama or spiritual drama. And, and, and they're not helping themselves for eternity. And all of that can be fixed tonight if, if you'll apply the teaching. Why are we so unsettled in our lives due to the temporal and spiritual challenges we face? Why can't we just be at rest no matter what's going on? How many here struggle with temporal drama in your life? Okay. Temporal drama means family problems. Okay. Temp <laughs> means health problems. Relationship problems. All those sorts of things. Okay. Um, last week, my wife finally sent me to a new doctor and dermatologist in order to get this thing on the side of my neck fixed. I had it fixed two years ago. Why do I need to go back? Two years ago, this thing on the, behind my ear just wouldn't heal, but it wasn't a problem. My main doctor said, Brad, it is a problem. He said, you need to go to this doctor and get this thing fixed. Okay, two years ago, we went to that doctor, gave me the shots behind my ear, and he started cutting. Never felt it. By the time he was done, he had pulled out a gob at least that big. Pure yellow. I didn't know I had that in me. 
came out to be basal cell, which is not, it's cancerous, but it's not the bad cancer. They sewed me up, and all was good. Six months later, still won't heal. And she says, you need to go back to the doctor. I said, okay. I said, I really don't want to. I said, I'm, all I got to do is put a Band-Aid on it, and I, I keep, you know, bloody in the pillowcase, but, you know, all I got to do is put a Band-Aid on it, and that'll take care of that. So I go back to the doctor, and the doctor says, Brad, it's, I took all of it. I, I have no idea why it's, you're not healing there completely, but it, you're, you're good to go cancer-wise. I said, okay. Six months after that, my wife said, you're going back. I said, this doctor's going to think I'm crazy. I went back again six months later, and the doctor looked at it, and he just smiled at me. And he said, I can't tell you anything that I didn't tell you six months ago. You're good to go. He said, now, if you want me to cut it all up again and dig in there, he said, I promise you I'm not going to find anything. He says, you know, but I can't tell you why it's necessarily not healing. Just a little spot. Six months later, or a year later, my wife says, we're finding a different doctor. And I put my head down so last week, we go to this different doctor, good doctor. I like the guy. And he says, well, I, I, I don't know what's going on. He says, I'm going to have to cut out some of it and, uh, you know, send it off and we'll, we'll let you know. I said, okay. She was in there. She was sitting in the corner and I'm laying on my back. He said, now this is going to stick and it's going to sting. You have no idea. The stick wasn't bad. But the sting, and, and he kept, obviously, to numb what, what he's going to cut out. And so I'm like this, on my back, and he's just sticking away, and I'm thinking, when is this thing going to go numb? And I'm thinking, are you glad, honey, I'm going through all this? And yeah, she's shaking her head, yeah. Finally, when they're done sticking and stinging, I feel something ripping something out. No problem. I don't have any feeling there until he brings the, the blowtorch in. Here, what he did is, in order to cauterize it, I can hear the blowtorch. And, 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 and I don't care how numb it was, I felt every bit of it. You could smell the flesh burning. She could smell it. When I got up, I just looked at her. Is this, is this what you wanted me to go through? <laughs> as best I can, I avoid drama. As best I can. You can't always avoid it in the family. You can't always avoid it in church. But to the best of my ability, I avoid as much temporal drama that goes on in the world. <laughs> that being said, I can't speak for anyone else. But I've got better things in life to do than fight with Christians over non-heaven and hell issues. I, I, that's me. And by the way, I've, I've been a part of churches that all they want to do is fight about this and fight about that. I'm sorry, I'm leaving. I got better things to do. 
I got better things to do in my life than fight with family members over earthly issues. I, I just do. I can't speak for you. I'm, I'm just telling you me. I've got better things to do in life than constantly fight the devil over spiritual issues. By the way, every one of us here could fight the devil over spiritual issues 24-7. But there is a way to curb it. Another sermon. I am at rest with most issues in life because I follow the formula given to us in Hebrews 4, 8 through 10 as to how to rest. I'm building on what Brother Todd was talking about this last week. So turn to Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 8, and let me read this for you. It says, for if Jesus, and by the way, Jesus there is speaking of Joshua in the book of Joshua. For if Joshua had given them, the Israelites, rest, talking about rest from their wilderness labors, once he brought them into the promised land, would he not afterward have spoken of another day? If that was the final rest, he wouldn't be speaking of another rest. Now, now follow this. Meaning there's more than just a temporal and spiritual rest for the people of God. There's an eternal rest as well. Uh, exactly what Brother Todd was talking about last week. Notice verse 9. The author of Hebrews says, There remaineth therefore a rest, a future rest, an eternal rest to the people of God, and this is how you obtain it. Now here it is. This is the formula that I have followed most of my Christian life in order to avoid temporal drama and spiritual drama and get ready for the eternal life that I'm headed to. Found in verse 10. For he, talking about Jesus, that is entered into his rest after his work on Calvary was finished, he, Jesus, hath also ceased from his own works, plural, as God or God the Father did from his. We know when God the Father rested from his work. It was in the garden, Genesis, right before the garden, Genesis chapter 2. After he got done creating everything, it says, and then he rested. Okay? We know when Jesus rested. He rested right after Calvary, and he rested right after Israel was birthed as a nation. That's who Moses corresponded with in the wilderness. It was Christ. If you look at my reference work, you'll, you'll see that clearly. Just as both God the Son and God the Father rested from their works, we can rest from ours as long as we do it the same way they did. If God doesn't live with drama and He knows how to rest, don't you want to follow His pattern and do the same? Just told you right here in verse 10 how to do this. Do you want rest from the temporal drama that constantly invades your life on a daily basis? Do you want rest from the spiritual drama that the devil and his imps throw at you and I constantly? Do you want the eternal rest from the temporal and spiritual drama that plagues us repeatedly? The answer should be yes, we want that rest. Then follow the formula God offers to you and I in order to accomplish that, and it's found in Hebrews 4.10. According to Hebrews 4.10, both the Father and the Son are said to have rested after certain works of theirs. We know from Scripture that both the Father and the Son rested three different times. How many times? That's why it, it says in verse 10, works, plural. It said the Father had a work, singular, and Christ had works, plural. Two and one is three, okay? <laughs> 
Three different times God Sabbath himself. Because the word rested comes from the, the Hebrew word for Sabbath. Only three different times in Scripture. Once after the six days of creation in Genesis 2. Once after the birthing of the Jews as a nation in Exodus 14. He rested in Exodus 20, six chapters after he birthed the nation. And once after he purchased our salvation at Calvary within the Gospels. All three occasions deal with how God Sabbaths or rests. Now let me ask you a question. Does God worry about anything? So when it says He rested, was He worried about anything that took place after He rested? So, so why can't we rest the same way He rests? We can if we follow what He did to rest. <laughs> Those of you who want to rest from the drama that rocks your world more times than not need to do what God did when He rested. You say, well, I didn't know God rested. He does. But it isn't from being exhausted. We do understand that. Okay? Genesis 2, 1 and 2. Let's do this quickly. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work, which He had made. And He, what's the next word? Rested. By the way, Hebrew, Shabbat, or Sabbath. Meaning God Sabbathed. On the seventh day, from all his work which he had made, he rested in the satisfaction of a job well done. He looked at everything he did for this earth and its inhabitants and said, Good. Really good. Now, now wait a minute. See, what, what, what you're not catching here is why he had to redo everything. Long before we ever got here, Satan had come to this earth, Ezekiel 28, and he had caused havoc. He had caused such havoc on this planet before we ever got here that it affected the entire universe. And God said, now my whole universe is screwed up. I've got I to gotta recreate this earth. I, I, I've got to refurbish it. Look at the mess Satan made, and I had to come in, take six days, and redo it all. But he didn't think like you and I. That was no problem to him. It's a problem to us. But it doesn't have to be a problem to us if you follow the formula. When God rested or Sabbathed on the seventh day after the six days of creation, was it because he was tired physically? Was it because he was exhausted from creating everything? When he Sabbathed or rested on the seventh day after the six days of creation, was it because he was mentally tired from the spiritual battle he had just won after having to refurbish the earth that the devil had ruined in his rebellion? Wow. Now, now watch. When God Sabbathed or rested on the seventh day after the six days of creation, was it because he was tired emotionally, realizing he'd have to continue throughout eternity dealing with all these free-willed creatures that have caused him so much grief? No. So, God doesn't have emotional problems. He doesn't have spiritual problems. He doesn't have mental problems. He doesn't have any of these. Why? Because He rests. And if you rest like He rests, you're free from this stuff. The majority of it. 
obviously when you got other people dragging you to the doctor and you know doing blow torches on you and all right there's you know you can't avoid that I'm in yeah, rebuttal she says all three let's not let's not break up the flow here all three rests mentioned by the author of Hebrews the temporal temporal rest we are offered from temporal drama the spiritual rest we are offered from spiritual drama and the eternal rest we are offered for all eternity eternity for finishing our race uh, that we started the day we got saved all three are directly connected to God's own personal rest which he experienced follow his way of doing things follow his example so I, I just know how to do that I'm gonna show you how to do that <laughs> all three events were followed by a rest the Bible says a rest in the satisfaction of a job well done if you wish to experience the same rest God experienced on those three occasions then you and I have to do what he did to rest you must focus on the eternal aspects of those events. Again, if you don't get this tonight, I can't help you. If for one reason or another, it goes in one ear or another, out the other, I, I, there's nothing I can do about that. But if you want to lessen the temporal drama and the spiritual drama that comes into your life, and there's a lot of it out there, then follow the formula. Do what God did on those three occasions. Say, well, what did he do? Well, he wasn't mentally tired, physically tired, emotionally tired. None of it affected him. In fact, when he rested, he kicked back and smiled and said, this is good. Oh, wait a minute, the devil just messed up everything. Still good. Why? Because his focus was on the eternal, not what was going on. When God rested in Genesis 2 after the six days of creation, it wasn't because he was tired mentally, physically, or emotionally. It was because he had accomplished something eternal. Catch that. You say, you mean those six days of, of, of creation, uh, you know, for the, the earth and the heaven, that was eternal? Yes. Everything he did on the earth was for the earth and its inhabitants, yes or no? Which means earth is an eternal issue with God. Yes or no? Why is earth an eternal issue with God? Because the earth is a project that he started a long time ago and said this thing will never end. Now, now watch this. Watch this carefully. Ecclesiastes 1.4 says, One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth what? So, the climatologists in the world, the Al Gores and everybody else, and by the way, you have no idea how many Christians follow this nonsense. You just have no idea. Well, it's our earth. We ought to take care of it. It's not your earth, and you can't take care of it. Psalm 78 and verse 69 says, And he, God, built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth which he hath established. What's those next two words? This earth is going to be here long after our bodies are dead and gone. Nobody's going to ruin this earth. Nobody. 
You realize how many self-proclaimed Christians worry about climate change destroying this earth? Fact. No matter what man does to this old earth, he cannot destroy it. It's eternal. And nothing he does to it can destroy it. In fact, right after Jesus returns, doesn't the Bible say he takes the mess of Armageddon and everything that took place in the world, which it's a mess, and fixes it just like that for the millennium, where it's perfect. It's like Garden of Eden again. Can God do that? Uh, Yes. And not only can he do it, he's going to do it. And so all these temporal drama things we have in the world about climate change and about this and about that that affects the temporal around us is meaningless for you to worry about. Why? Because earth is eternal. And this is why after God created it, He Sabbath, He rested. This accomplishment that He did was eternal. And when you focus on the eternal, folks, the temporal doesn't mess with you as much. According to 2 Peter 3, the heavens and the earth will be kept in store until God refurbishes it for the millennium. So climatologists can cry all they want about global warming, but global warming will not be the earth's undoing. Global wrongdoing against the holy God will be the earth's undoing. I mean, you do realize when you read Revelation, half the world's population is going to die in three and a half years. Half the world's population. That's four billion people. In three and a half years? Yes. Well, that can only happen with nuclear. Hello? And yet the world's still not going to be destroyed. Because when Jesus returns, he makes everything fresh and new again. Where the lion lays down with the lamb. Where we can go out, of course, we'll have our new bodies, but the people that enter the millennium, they can go out and pet a lion alongside of a fire ant hill. Oh, glory to God, no more fire ant hills. And not until I got to Texas did I understand fire ant hills. Folks, listen carefully. When God rests in something, it's because it's eternal in nature. Think like God thinks, and the temporal drama that you face every day won't be as much drama. It wasn't with God, was it? Then it shouldn't be with you. You do know God, yes. When God rested in Exodus 20 after birthing the nation of Israel in Exodus 14, it wasn't because he was tired mentally, physically, or emotionally. It was because he had accomplished something eternal. You say, the nation of Israel, when he birthed it in Exodus chapter 14, it's eternal? Yes. And the Bible says he Sabbath. He rested after that. He said, oh, this is a good thing. This thing's going to last forever. Not only is the earth going to last forever, but this nation I made, it's going to last forever. So no matter what happens to Israel, and we all hurt as to what's happened with Israel, but ain't nobody going to wipe them out. (coughs) Like the earth, the nation of Israel is eternal. It ain't going anywhere. Psalm Isaiah 45, 15 through 17. Listen carefully. Verily thou art a God that hidest thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Verse 16. They, the disobedient Jews, shall be ashamed 
and also confounded, all of them, they shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. But Israel, the nation itself, shall be saved in the Lord with an, what's the next word? Everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded. What's those next three words? World without end. When God rests in something, it's because it's eternal in nature. The earth is never going to end. It's eternal. Rest in it. Dwell on its accomplishment. The nation of Israel is never going to end. It's eternal. Rest in it. Dwell on its accomplishment. Iran, the Arab Muslims, Russia, the Marxist agnostics, and China, the socialistic atheists, will never succeed in destroying Israel. Ever. Say, why? You know how we're all worried. <gasps> this could affect our Christianity. No. No, rejoice. Because this is coming to an end, and God's going to make sure the end is the way He wants it. And He said Israel is eternal. Ain't going nowhere. The Koran says it will be destroyed and wiped out. Well, we're going to find out if the Bible's true or the Koran's true. No matter how many enemies come against her, in the end, Israel prevails. Why? Because she's eternal. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me do this quick. Revelation 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven open. Everybody understand where we're at in Scripture here? Talking about the second coming of Christ. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Who's sitting on that white horse? Christ, okay? And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Question, who is Jesus making war with here in Revelation chapter 19? Say the armies that are at Armageddon ready to destroy Jerusalem and Israel, because that's the answer. His eyes, verse 12, were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, many victories. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us in our new bodies coming back with him. Question, where is Jesus going to smite the nations? Say, say, say Armageddon. This is where all the nations come to. We know that. Even the kings of the east, China, with all their hordes, they're coming. After Russia and Iran and everybody else, they're coming. And everybody meets at Armageddon. God says, when I get done with it, Israel will still be standing because she's eternal. Did you get that? She's eternal. Just like this earth is eternal, the nation of Israel is eternal. Focus on those two things, and one more when I get done here, and really focus on those things and all the temporal drama that you have and all the spiritual drama that you allow into your life will be filtered down to just a trip to the dermatologist. <clears throat> I'm in trouble when I get home, I know, I already know. 
Bible says he shall smite them uh, uh, with a rod of iron, he, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, talking about Armageddon. And he hath on his vesture and his thigh a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, there's a meal here. All these dead people, God says, I kill when I return, and there's going to be a lot of them. Birds need to eat. I'm going to feed them. And guess what? Israel is still intact. Eternal. So if this earth is eternal and it ain't going anywhere and God made it for us. <laughs> and the nation of Israel is eternal and, and the nation brought us Jesus even though the nation rejected him. The, the nation brought us Jesus. What kind of temporal drama are you living in? Everything's set up for you and me. Especially the last one. Verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on a horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he had deceived them, that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake, uh, burning with fire and brimstone. Israel ain't going anywhere. The Antichrist isn't going to stop it. The false prophet isn't going to stop it. China's not going to stop it. Russia's not going to stop it. Iran's not going to stop it. The 250 million Arabs that surround Israel today, they're not going to stop it. God has this thing totally in control. That's why he rests. How come you and I can't rest? He's, he's good with all this. How come we can't be good with it all? Your salvation isn't going anywhere either, folks. It's eternal. I told you there were three things. There were three times that God Sabbathed himself. Once, when everything was created in six days for the earth and the inhabitants of the earth. Once, when Israel was birthed as a nation. And once... When Jesus paid for it all at Calvary and changed the Sabbath from Saturday, come on now, to Sunday. Revelation tells us that. Well, didn't Jesus say he was Lord of the Sabbath? Yes or no? Is God the one that made up the Sabbath in Genesis chapter 2? Is he the one that furthered it with the nation of Israel in Exodus chapter 20? Yes or no? And Jesus is God, yes? So if he says he's the Lord of the Sabbath, does he have a right to change it from Saturday to Sunday? Again, the three times that God Sabbath or rested were after those three events. John 10, 27 and 28 says, My sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them, what's the next word? Eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand those who learn to focus on what god focuses on which is the eternal be it the earth israel or salvation they all get the same rest he experienced after the six days of creation the birth of israel and the purchasing of our salvation he gets rest and you and i can have that same kind of rest you can smile like he smiled 
He didn't, he didn't look in Genesis chapter 2 and say, oh man, what a mess the devil made and i got to redo it all and oh, I'm having a bad day. No, it says he rested. He sabbathed. He smiled. Everything's okay. How come we don't do that? We don't, by the way. But if you would focus on what he focuses on, you could do what he does. When Stephen was getting stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, now listen to this carefully, did he say, Lord, why me? Or did he say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge? Stephen smiled. Getting stoned to death, and he's smiling. Lord, don't hold this against him. No big deal. Little temporal drama here. Oh, oh. Now, how come people like Stephen can, can smile at these things and not hold anybody account, accountable for, the, for his problems that he was having, his temporal drama, and we can't? It's because he's focused on the things God's focused on. When God Sabbath, when he rested, he was focused on eternal things that the temporal isn't going to affect. When you and I are focused on the eternal, be it creation, the nation of Israel, or your own personal salvation, the temporal things in life, no matter how painful, are minimized greatly. You really need to ask yourself, do I have a lot of temporal drama in my life? You don't have to have it. Do I have a lot of spiritual drama in my life? say, well, you know, the devil's after us every day. Yeah, he is, but the Bible says resist the devil and he shall. Uh, folks, you don't have to let the devil mess with you the way you do. Keep a spiritual schedule. Do, be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Read your Bible when you're supposed to read it. You know, take care of God's business. And, and the devil will go pick on somebody else. He's only one person. And if he's not picking on you, he could be picking on me, right? So I hope you mess with him and he picks on you. That way he won't mess with me. But if he does mess with me, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and try to witness to somebody. You want to put the devil on the run, witness to somebody. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Anybody here wish to stop dwelling on the temporal and spiritual drama that goes on in your life? Then get the eternal perspective by dwelling on those three things. Creation, nation of Israel, and your own personal salvation. Stop fretting and start focusing on what God focuses on. And you'll experience the same rest He experienced. Now, it, it's not going to be perfect because we're still human. I can still think in my mind bad words. And when no one's around, they probably come out. Same thing over there. Yeah. But, 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 but here's the point. I don't want temporal drama in my life. I don't want the spiritual drama in my life. I want the eternal to be cared for where there is no temporal drama and spiritual drama but the only way that's going to happen is to think like God thinks 
And he's always focused on the eternal. Everything here that has happened tonight, and I'm done, he's already seen it. Nothing surprises him. So why does it surprise you? Let me, let me make that statement all over again, and I'm done. If God's life is not filled with drama, is it? Why is yours? Why is mine? Shouldn't be. And it isn't because he's focused on the eternal. The accomplishments he did in the garden and uh, in, in the Sinai Peninsula with Israel and at Calvary was all eternal in aspect. So he's always focused on the eternal, 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 eternal. So get focused on the eternal. And the temporal won't bother you as much. Now again, as a believer, you can take these teachings and they can either free you or keep you in prison because you refuse to apply the teaching. But the more you dwell on the eternal aspects, and I just gave you three of them where God rested, the less you're going to focus on the temporal. And I'll be honest with that, that's where I want to be. This is why I don't get too much in the temporal drama of the church. I'm not going to get into it. It's meaningless. It's temporal. Let it go. Lloyd and I were talking about this on the way here. Talking about hats in church. Oh, I'll tell you what. Now watch. Brother Todd fought with a hat last week. I, I, I don't necessarily like it, but is it a heaven and hell issue? No. And not only that, when I pastored part-time the cowboy church, everybody in there wore cowboy boots, belts, cowboy shirts, and hats. I was the only one that didn't. And then one day they bought me a hat and a belt and boots and said I have to wear it. You say... <laughs> You didn't let me say the part, Bob. And did I, did I do it? Yes. I, I became all things to all men that I might win some. We saw a lot of folks saved and baptized there. All because I decided to put on a cowboy hat and preach. Again, it's not a heaven and hell issue. So don't let it become an issue. Things bother people, don't, but, but don't let it bother you. Why? Because it doesn't have, it's not eternal in nature. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for our time tonight. I pray that uh, building on what Brother Todd was talking about last week, that we can help some folks here tonight to so focus on the things God focuses on that they'll have less drama in their life. That's the goal. And uh, Lord, we need to have less drama so we can get more of your work done. Bless these good people. Lord, uh, bless this offering that we're going to take up for others. Thank you for this time tonight in Christ's name. Amen.